For the last time. Matt barked. I am not playing a trick on you. There is a Glee Man. Now go away. Rand, will you tell this woolhead I'm telling the truth so he'll leave me alone? A woolhead? <laughs> was that a good, was that a good voice? Absolutely annihilated him. <laughs> Okay, guys, welcome back to Woolhead of Wheelers. I'm Justin. This is Duquesne. And this is Stephanie. Yeah, Stephanie. <laughs> we are your token Woolheads. We are walking through Robert Jordan's uh, The Wheel of Time series, starting with The Eye of the World. Today, we'll be covering just chapter two. And usually, 12 pages. Smaller right. chapter. A lot happens, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good amount happens. Action packed, baby. Figured it'd be good, maybe just to start with a recap of what we learned in the first chapter. So, first, we're introduced to a new narrator that is Rand Althor. Um, some things we learn about him is that he looks different than the others. He's taller than everybody in town. He has red hair and gray eyes, which we kind of accredit to his mother. We've never met his mother. We know she died at a young age. That's about it. We learned a little bit about the town. We learned that it's super secluded. You know, three out of the four borders are unlivable. The people are known to be stubborn and resilient. And the overall mood of the town is this getting over seasonal depression of this harsh, harsh winter. And they're kind of just manifesting warmth, setting up for the springtime festival called Beltine and just doing normal springtime rituals. We met a few characters along the way, mainly our negative people who are negative Nancys. The, the negative Nancys of the town, the Congers and the Copelands. Yeah. Who I've described as <laughs> complainers and incest. And, yeah. and you know who they are. Then we have Sen Bui, who is the Thatcher and also on the village council. We have Bran Alvir, who is the innkeeper, the mayor. He's fat and jolly. He's not Jason Momoa. <laughs> And he's also Egwene's father. And we have Matt. He kind of came in at the very end. And then maybe most importantly, we find out that both Matt and Rand see this strange cloaked rider in black. They feel that he emanates evil. And when they turn around for one instant, he's gone. They tell both of their fathers about it. And they just shrug it off and blame the weather. Um, And then finally, the world is just not in a normal place. Yeah, Matt, for some reason, reminds me of a weasel. Oh my gosh, I was just thinking yeah. that. You know, like, you know, with, like, the, the squinty eye. I don't know, for some reason, I, f- I picture him with, like, little beady eyes. I was legit thinking that. Nose. I was like, if I had to describe Matt in one word, it'd be a little weasel. Weasel. That's kind of what <laughs> awesome I of. And he's, he's explained as, like, kind of a smaller character, like, smaller out boys, and he's always in, like, mischief and kind of, like, sneaking around. So, yeah, it, it's pretty fitting. Yeah. Yeah, he's the weasel of the town. He's got the weasel. Also, we did say that this place was a village. I looked up how many people. Was that right? Are it constitutes a place as a village? So Stephanie said two hundred people. Max. Max. Do you stick with that answer? Yeah. Okay, Duquesne. What's your answer? Um, I would say once you've got over a thousand you're not a village anymore but that you have to have at least over i think it's like 50 to like a thousand 
I think that. No, okay. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna lower. No, I'm gonna lower it. I'm gonna say fifty to five hundred is a village. Oh yeah, I can say I think it's <laughs> one to a million. It's somewhere in between there. But if That's you think about village. like a town, like there's like, you know, village, town, city. Yeah, that's true. And then... Bells. I'm picking up a number down. Okay, I'm going to revise my answer. I think it's 100 to 200. I don't think Final I'm going to the minimum. I think it's 150. Okay. I'm going back down to 150. Okay. Duquesne, what's your final answer? I'm going to say... 1 to 1,000. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say 300. The correct answer is 500... To two thousand five hundred. That's a village considered a village. Yeah, Duquesne was the most correct. He was. So I think we can confidently say that the town of Two Rivers is probably around that size. On the lower end, Two Rivers. Yeah, the lower end. Yeah, I would guess like two hundred. Yeah, like for me, for some reason, Two Rivers feels like a little like maybe even my high school. Okay. Like, you know, maybe 90 per each grade. Yeah. So, 400 total, maybe. Yeah, but they only introduce us to the most important people. That's true. Okay, but anyways, that's chapter one. And uh, we'll go ahead and start chapter two. This one's called Strangers. times have you all been able to call someone a woolhead in the last couple days last couple weeks every day to justin no i'm kidding it's it's actually relentless she wakes up and she's like you stupid woolhead no i do say drat i said drat a lot she has been saying drat a lot okay i'll set the scene here so the boys are now bringing the casks uh, from the cart and they're going inside the inn now so they enter this big common room. It's a very large room with a stone fireplace stretching. It says the, the entire half of a wall um, with a fire going in it. And all of the village council members are in there. And they're just sitting there silently drinking some ale and smoking tobacco. And they're waiting uh, for Bran and Tam to arrive. And then once they arrive, uh, they form a tight circle and just start whispering amongst themselves. And it says they have a look of worry on their faces, which kind of makes sense because of the weather and there's like strangers in town and also with the stress of like this festival going on tomorrow. Um, and then I've kind of made a list here of the, the council members. So who, who it's kind of made up of. So we have John Thane. He's the miller. We have Harold Luhan, who's the blacksmith. Sen Bowie, the thatcher. We have Tam, a farmer. Bran is the innkeeper and the mayor. And then there's two other guys, Rowan Hum and Samuel Craw. So I thought it would be good just to have a list of them because there's, there's again, there's just so many names in this book at the beginning. I'm trying to keep them straight. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the council too because if you think of like village times where you would live in a village, those people are basically like represent what you would need to keep a village like going like those are kind of that's key literally members. what i was about to say Duquesne. Yeah. yeah exactly 
a miller, blacksmith, thatcher, farmer, mayor, and you know, boom, they got all the main main sources there. Um, just to point out too, and I think we brought this up. I don't know if we did last episode, but the very first intro episode we did. This is one of uh, three kind of governing bodies in the village. So the council is made up of the men. Then they have what do the women call themselves? I always forget. Women's circle. Women's, Women's circle. circle. Yeah. Circle. Just, <laughs> my my bad. I always try to overcomplicate. But there's the council. Duquesne's like I always forget the women. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then uh, make me sound horrible. But the the third one is um, the wisdom. So there's kind of three influences that really seem to kind of make the decisions of the village. Um, but the there's kind of stuff that's seen as like council business. Stuff seen as wis- uh, wisdom business, and then other stuff seen as the women's circle, um, and it kind of seems like the fate of like the village making it through the winter. That's kind of falling on the council because they kind of seem the most concerned about what's going on and like trying to find a solution, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So they're all just sitting there whispering amongst themselves, feeling worried. Um, the boys go and put the casks away, and then this is when another weaselly boy comes in, and his name is Ewen Fingar. And it says he is... I think this is right. It says he's yeah. 14 years younger. No, I think he, they're saying he's 14 years young. 14 years so young. They're saying oh. he's like 14 years young. Okay, I was like, he's four? <laughs> <laughs> Which probably makes it because we were thinking that the boys are in their like kind of late teens, you know, like almost like seniors in high school, which I think would be right if we're, you know, if if he's fourteen and he's a little too young to hang out with them, mm-hmm. then they probably are around that like seventeen, eighteen age range. Okay, yeah. So Edwin Fingar, he's fourteen. He comes barreling down the stairs. There's our there there are strangers in the village. And then he proceeds to describe a man and a woman. Actually, first off, so he describes a man and a woman, but then immediately Matt, he says there's strangers in town, and so Matt and Rand are like, oh my gosh, it's that cloaked rider. Yeah, they think it's the the guy in black. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then he, he he describes a person named Moraine, or I guess I gave it away. But a he, goddess. He, <laughs> describe, he describes a woman, but it's kind of vaguely at this time. He says... She's ten times prettier than anyone he's ever seen. She's wearing a very nice blue cloak, almost regal looking. And then he describes this man who's wearing a different cloak that seems to like fade into whatever he's standing in, just like kind of camouflagey. Um, and the way he and he's also carrying a sword, almost like it's a part of him, like his hand or foot is what it says. Um, and and this man does whatever the woman says. So. Right away, that already takes away this um, mysterious writer. But the main point is, is there's a lot of strangers, and that is something that's just really odd in the two rivers. They don't get a lot of people that don't live there. Um, like we said last episode, it's just hard to get there, for one. There's only one route. Um, so it's just, it's just really weird to have strangers there. Well, and especially like this level of strangers where, you know, they, they seem to have money, be well-off, high-born potentially, and it seems like what they are used to are maybe 
you know, the, the random trader or merchant, maybe a, like, um, you know, somebody who's just kind of out on their, out on their luck and not in a good way, but they don't have, this is not like a tourist destination. You don't have people coming out there for uh, a vacation or the scenery, really. Yeah, I think they mentioned like the highborn aspect of the woman specifically like multiple times so it just shows you they're not like you said you can't used to seeing those types of people yeah just to give you a rough estimate at how rare this is it says it had been a good five years since the last real stranger appeared in Amon's field five years since they had seen somebody they had never seen before wow that's a village you mean that? that's a village i'm telling you it takes a village, man. Yeah, everyone else they see, it's like, there There are, like, merchants that come in and out of town. They're technically strangers, but they, they it's the same people that yeah. come every time. So not really strangers to them yeah. anymore. And then the other stranger gets brought up here. We don't hear anything about him, but they bring up if a Gleeman isn't actually in town. Um, and there's some doubt everyone says they're supposed to be a gleeman but it seems like no one's actually seen him yet but they've been told he is there so that's there's potentially three brand new strangers and again that hasn't happened in five years and now there's three in one day potentially four. four yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's super weird for them and then edwin fingar says that the woman just keeps asking them asking questions around town. She's like asking how old people are, how long they've been living where they live. We're not really sure who this is and or I don't know. We don't we just don't really understand which what mm-hmm. what her deal is right now. Anyways, that's kind of what happens in the end. They leave and Rand starts to have this feeling outside of the inn that he's being watched, but he looks he looks around, he doesn't really see anything until he is being watched by a vile bird. It's a crow. Raven. Raven. Is it a raven? Ugh. Whatever. Same thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we, in my head, we actually him crows. We had this discussion in the very first episode, and I actually said the same thing, Steph. So I'm. Yeah. I'm <laughs> but okay, well, if the you raven. No, whatever. Remember, the raven is creepy. This is not it's our really first weird. encounter with a raven as well. So if you were with us at our intro episode, <gasps> you you might remember yes. that there was a, there was also a raven that was kind of watching around and being sketch, I don't know a better word, suspicious. These are yeah. Raven. These are not your ordinary ravens. Yeah, the the ravens in the in the intro were specifically watching the young boys. Um so they are a little bit older now. Um so, but it appears to be staring right at Matt and Rand. Um, but it said its head was cocked to the side, and one beady black eye was focused on him. And they just kind of just stare back and forth, and then boys do what boys do. Am I right? We grab rocks and we throw them. We throw them yeah. at the bird. At whatever we throw rocks at whatever. That's yeah. They both, and it makes it sound like they both have good aim because stones are flying like perfect. The Bird manages to dodge it, kind of jumps around a little bit, and then just goes, like, it doesn't fly away. It just stays there. 
acting like nothing has happened, which they both recognize is not normal. It's weird. Yeah, because if you think about it, I feel like any time like, I even like walk near a bird or something, it like just flies away, you know? Yeah. So you imagine like throwing a stone at a bird and just like sidestepping and continue to look at you. <laughs> it's just weird. It's from the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fly away until a woman's voice appears. It says, a vile bird, to be mistrusted in the best of times. So, I think... What do you think? That tells us that the raven is evil. Something's going on with that raven. Because Moraine, you know, Moraine steps in. Seems like she knows more than she's letting on, obviously. So, I don't know. Could be. think she has an idea. Could be related, could be coincidence. Could be coincidence. I, that was the lady's voice for our readers that weren't aware of that. The The lady's voice is Lady Moran, who's came yes. in. And they all just assume it's her because, as they'll point out, she looks so different than any other person. And she's a stranger, which we talked about there. They don't get strangers. So the boys immediately knew that this was the lady stranger that they were told about earlier. Mm-hmm. You want to describe what she looks like? Yeah, I'll, you want me to just read into that paragraph where it talks about it? Yeah, yes. definitely. His writing is so good. So, this is the description that is given of her. Altogether, she was like no one he had ever seen before. The wide hood of her cloak framed her face and dark hair, hanging in soft ringlets. He had never seen a grown woman with her hair unbraided. Every girl in the two rivers waited eagerly for the woman's circle, of her village to say she was old enough to wear a braid. Her clothes were just as strange. Her cloak was a sky blue velvet with thick silver embroidery, leaves and vines and flowers all along the edges. Her dress gleamed faintly as she moved, a darker blue than the cloak and slashed with cream. A necklace of heavy gold links hung around her neck. Another gold chain, delicate and fastened in her hair, supported a small sparkling blue stone in the middle of her forehead. A wide belt of woven gold encircled her waist, and on the second finger of her left hand was a gold ring in the shape of a serpent biting its own tail. He had certainly never seen a ring like that, though he recognized the great serpent, an even older symbol for eternity than the Wheel of Time. She comes in, and she is straight dripping. I mean, she's got, she's got a gold necklace. She's got a gold ring. She's got like a blue gem in the middle of her forehead. She's got this fancy cloak with embroidery everywhere. I mean, she is dressed to the nine. And uh, she's just in this little farm town where they... And it's not even a holiday technically right now either. So this is... She she just like s stepped off the red carpet. Like literally like movie premiere celebrity style. And she just kind of walked into this any village yeah and i think an important description that they give her is this agelessness mm -hmm. it says he could not put an age to her at all at first he thought she was a young like female but the longer he looked at her the more he thought she was older than that he said there was a maturity about her a hint of knowing that no one could have gotten young yeah, and I think, too, the Great Serpent, an even older symbol for eternity than the Wheel of Time. How does he know that? That's like another hint we get that they have, and this happened in the first chapter, where they have 
like some kind of education where they are taught some like tradition or like old stories yeah. because it happened in that first chapter where he re- like re was reciting some almost like chant um to ward off evil and then you kind of get another hint that they've kind of learned about some of these symbols or like traditions at some point um so like this is this is kind of the second sense of getting that um which is interesting um i also i don't know if you'll notice this but at least in my book at the prologue the picture is of a serpent circling around and i'm a i'm imagining that's what the ring looks like so it's like a serpent and it loops around and then the mouth ends up at its tail so it's like a never-ending it's yeah it's on the cover of our book oh yeah it's on the cover it's also on chapter one but it's around a wheel so it's like the serpent in the wheel of time yeah. you know what I mean? oh yeah interesting interesting yeah and so there's this agelessness about her she's dressed really fancy and she also has this demeanor about her where it says she held herself with a sense of grace and command so it describes her being as tall as Rand's chest. So she's definitely not towering over people, but she's short and has, a, has a, like a ton of confidence about her. But, wisdom. She has wisdom. Yeah, she has a lot of wisdom. So they start to introduce themselves and it's just painfully awkward. I feel like they're like, you know, like a bunch of schoolboys seeing like Jennifer Aniston or something and like stumbling over each other and... That's what I kind of picture a little bit. Or like Megan Fox or someone. Like fangirling? Yeah, like fangirling. They're like stuttering, can't even get their own names out, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly how it sounds. Uh, But she says, I may have some small tasks to be done from time to time while I'm in Eamon's field. Perhaps you would be willing to assist me? And then she does this sly little pressing of a coin into their hands sly sly enough to where they don't notice it now what what do you mean because they don't notice the coin till later so it's like she just presses it into the palm of their hand almost like she's like just like she's touching me like oh my goodness like she touched my hand that's like how they see oh i get what you're saying but that's what she opens up with and they're like um okay uh why are you here? And she gives some like lame, some lame excuse that she is just interested in stories, and she came there because she wants to know. She's heard some interesting stories about two rivers in the past, and wants to hear um, what happened there long ago. Which to that the boys are like nothing, like nothing happens here. It's literally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's exactly what they say. They say, nothing happens here. Why the heck would you be interested in this? I'm trying to look, too, because maybe I did. Did I read this right? I can't remember. Didn't she give Edwin a different coin compared to Matt and Rand? I don't think so. I thought she gave Edwin a penny and Matt and Rand silver. Did Did I? Is that right? Yeah, so it said when she gave Edwin his coin... She just kind of dropped it into his hand. So his coin, and maybe we're, I'm reading into it too much, but it sounds like his coin, she just kind of dropped in his hand. It's just a normal silver penny. Um, but theirs, she like closed her hand in their hands and kind of like palmed it to them. And they said they had a full silver, which was enough to buy a whole horse. 
makes it sound like it's a different type of coin, like a, you know, like a ton higher than what a silver penny would be. Yeah, so she's not only dripping, she's throwing cash. And she has favorites. She's given it to two of the boys, but not the third one. Yeah, or I guess she gave, that's what I was looking, she gave Edwin a silver penny, but then Rand said it was a silver coin he didn't recognize. So I feel like it has to be a little different. Well, it had an emblem on it. A raised image of a woman balancing a single flame. And they, yeah, they say it's worth mm-hmm. enough to buy a good horse and have some leftover. How was, how was one coin worth that much? Like, I feel like I read it, too, when I was reading it. I was like, oh, shoot, she, like, they have to come to her whenever she asks. That's kind of... Creepy? Yeah, a little bit. Uh-huh, I would agree. It's a little weird. A little weird. Yeah, she's just, like, so vague. She's like, I may need you to do something. And then, oddly, pays them already. Oh, and no. And like, this is my token. Be there when I need you. Red flag. <laughs> <laughs> red flag for sure. Got a red flag. She also just kind of like dips out. Like when she's done, she just like leaves. The Irish goodbye. Yeah. She's like, okay, like, well, and doesn't Rand ask a question that kind of throws her off? What does he say? Something makes her uneasy, and I forgot that happened. Because it said her smile faded. He said, Basically, he just said, why did you come to Edmund's field? He, and he was saying people normally say it's, like, in the middle of the sticks, like, basically in the middle of nowhere. And he, I guess he thought it, like, disappears to people from the outside. And that's when she said, like, she's a student of history. But did say right. her smile faded. I did want to, I think, I did want to read this part because I think they asked her that and she just kind of stares off. And she just says this. She says, as the wheel of time turns... Places wear many names. Men wear many names, many faces, different faces, but always the same man. Yet, no one knows the great pattern the wheel weaves, or even the pattern of the age. We can only watch and study and hope. Oh, always the same man. Yeah, so it kind of connects us back to the first paragraph of the first chapter. Where it's like that wheel, right? Uh-huh. It's like every point's a beginning, every point's an end. That's kind of what she's saying. It's like every man's a sna- th- the same, looks different, has new beginnings, but he's always the same man. Yeah. Like a resurrection type thing. Yeah, that always just is like... Like stuff just keeps repeating itself. It's it's another... We keep kind of getting... I mean, we get the same thing with the, the serpent ring. Like it's all this imagery of things repeating itself or like the beginning looping around and the ending starts back at the beginning and everyone always brings up the wheel of time that's almost like that's the name of the series or something but that would yeah that would be weird kind of crazy we remember the wheel of time but we don't remember the women's (laughs) you didn't even say it's a women's circle oh shoot I don't know why they didn't name the, the series Wool-Headed Wheelers. I think they really missed out. That's what I'm talking that. about. That's okay. You That's know. okay. We got them covered. But after she says this, the bo- I mean, the boys are like 16, 17, or 18, and they just stare at her. They're like, what the heck is she oh. even saying? <laughs> I was about to say that's when the smexy beast comes into the um, picture. Who's that? Lan. Oh, yeah, he comes. He comes in. 
Oh yeah. How about does. you describe us with this Mexi beast looks like? <laughs> You've already <laughs> used Jason Momoa, so you can't use. Him. I know. I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like a George Lopez type character because it you says it's George... long. Oh, George Lopez. It says. Yes. Are you talking about new George Lo- or sorry, old George Lopez or current George Lopez? Joe's George Lopez, but a little rip. Let me show you what are he you looks like about- now. Are you talking about George Clooney? Nope. Wait, no, wait, I'm talking about George Clooney, so sorry. Yeah, because I'm he's look at this. I mean George Clooney. She means George Clooney, not George Lopez. And George Clooney is a better George Clooney's not a bad. George Clooney is he picture of that. I was thinking a little bit like Brad Brad Pittish too. Like yeah, maybe I, I Brad, like maybe yeah, maybe like older Brad Pitt. When when he has long hair. I don't know. Honestly, can I change it to my old Tom Cruise? Why don't we change it to Matthew McConaughey? You're just saying names of people you think are attractive. I tried to tell you who I thought. George Lopez. I'm by George Clooney. George Clooney. Steph, let's this hear this description. <laughs> okay. So, my lovely George Clooney, he is a tall man, and he has hair that's long and gray at the temples, held back by his face by a narrow leather headband. The face was made from stony planes and angles, weathered but unlined despite gray in his hair. So it makes me seem like he's seen some battles, but it's almost like he's got the Botox. Take away those lines. Oh, so you're thinking handsome Squidward now. Wait, wait, wait. I would like to, I'd like to pitch a different thing. I think for a warrior, Someone that looks like they've gone through stuff but is unscarred, that means they're that good of a warrior that they haven't got the scars because they're that good. So if you see somebody who like knows how to carry a sword and is clearly a, a warrior but he doesn't have marks on him, that usually means he's like completely badass because yeah. he's that good. Yeah. He, yeah. He's never lost. And they say he looks like a wolf. Reminds Rand of a wolf. Which, too, I think in the beginning when they first see him, too, it's like you can't really see his face unless, like, he wants you to or something like that. I think it's how they describe it. I have to go back and read it. So it just makes me think he's really good at blending in when he needs to. Yeah, he has a cloak on that I, they say kind of, like, blends in. So he kind of, like, sneaking around a little bit. It's almost like he's hanging out in the back of the scene. Maybe Moraine takes more of the spotlight, but he's like the shadow that's always there. Yeah, just to kind of sum up all of that, he's got long hair. He's got a sick headband. He's got this sword that they say is like a part of him, like a hand or a foot. He moves around like a wolf. His eyes are constantly looking around, so he's like always looking for danger, essentially. He's he's, surveying. He's surveying. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and he he's attached to Moraine somehow. We don't really we don't really know exactly why. Are they lovers? Are they lovers? No. That's your prediction. That is my prediction. Okay. Um, and then Ewen, the little boy, he was like, I bet he's a warder. 
Yeah, this is the thing. What the heck is a warder? Like, they don't explain that. They say, I bet he's a warder, like we're supposed to know. And this is where we have our first-time reader not knowing yeah. things. Two of us will stay quiet, and the third one will figure it out soon. So what? It, what? So Matt kind of describes what a warder is. What is his description of a warder? Basically, a warder, the way Matt describes it, makes me think of a knight. Because he says they're covered in gold and jewels and spend all their time up north in the Great Blight. So sound, that like reminds me of, I don't know, like a constant tundra fighting evil and Trollocs. So fighting like evil things and dragons. Yeah, that's their understanding of what a warder is. It's like a, a noble knight always constantly fighting evil in the Great Blight. Whatever the Great Blight is. So Matt's like, does that look like who this guy is? No. He's like, Matt, is he going to go... Is he, go is he wearing sheep? gold? I mean, his headband is sick as hell, but... Does he have gold? No. No. And this, when they finally realize what the penny looks like. Yeah, this after is all of this conversation. They finally look at it. Well, there's a lot going on. If they're paying them, if she is paying them enough to buy a good horse and still have them left over. They're blinded by her beauty. They're just like, what on earth could these chores she wants us to do for her? What the heck are they? I'd be scared. I'd be running in the opposite direction. Yeah, and they have this debate. They're like, ooh, should we spend it? Now we're rich. And they all kind of say, nah, we're going to hold on to it. And then our third stranger... Wait, no, no. Our third stranger doesn't appear, but they bring up the Gleeman again. They're like, is there a Gleeman? And they're like, yes, there's still a Gleeman. She's just not around yet. You'll see soon. But then a, a wagon comes in. And this is not a stranger, because uh, they know this person, but still an exciting thing, because it's the peddler who has fireworks? Did he bring the fireworks? I think he's the one that brings fireworks. Okay. And so there's a, there's just like little uplifting like last paragraph. Like They're Christmas. like, ooh, strangers, gleeman, fireworks, a peddler. Oh my gosh, this is gonna be the best Beltine ever. And that's where the chapter ends. All right, Steph, what do you think is gonna happen next? Right now, on the spot. Don't mess up. I think they're gonna have fireworks. I think Matt's gonna get into trouble. And I think Scary Cloak Guy is going to come back. Okay. 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 Good predictions. More crows. Oh. 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 No, no, no. You're taking all that back? I take it all back. Our love story begins. Hopefully. I mean, you're begging for it. We're about to see blushing teenagers. She's all about that romance. But yeah, who knows? Maybe that there is romance in the story at some point. Justin and I will confirm. Okay, we're setting the scene. Yeah, we're setting the scene right now. We're understanding the world and we're meeting all the people. Okay, so just a quick summary of chapter two. Marika. There are strangers. Strangers are a very odd thing in the two rivers. It's very rare. We meet two of them, Moraine and Lan. Um, and they're both kind of sketchy. Yeah. 
The raven has been reintroduced. It's staring right at the boys, and it squawks and leaves when Moraine speaks. And then, like Duquesne said, the world is still not in a normal place. This is a bigger event than usual. Bellatine isn't really that big of a deal, but for some reason this year it is. I'm say like the 4th of July, like Christmas or something. Yeah, exactly. And then we have these strange visitors, the weather, the animals, you know, everything else going on. So it's just different. Mm-hmm. Something, something's out of whack, and we will something's find out. out. We will find the, out. The wheel is getting squeaky. Uh, the, the wheel is turning, and it's getting squeakier, and who knows the what will happen. Is, the wheel is hitting some ruts. <laughs> We're hitting some ruts. Drat! So next chapter, we'll, we'll be introduced to the peddler, who is a very interesting character. So definitely tune in for that one. Um, and we'll love to see you next time. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. As the wheel keeps turning, we keep on churning. Hi, Craig. Bye.